can't you leave the boy alone? He won't do you no harm. Why can't you leave him where he is, where he'll have the chance of a decent life? You'll bring him back here, my girl. Unless you want to feel my hand on your throat. Nancy, my dear. We must have that boy brought back. If he talked, think what would happen to us. Think what would happen to Bill. It would be the gallows for him, Nancy. The drop. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you, my dear? Not to Bill. She'll go, Fagin! No, she won't, Fagin! She will, Fagin! Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Posh Presents Pictures Pow Wow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinsky. And I'm Bartek. Hey, Bartek. How are you? I'm doing well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm... I'm sectioned off. I'm in my room recording all by myself as government mandates. The government came in a while ago, as you know, and said, all po- podcasters, you must you must lock yourselves away in a room with a microphone and do it separately. And so I've been doing that. What, how, what have you been doing? Uh, the exact same, but more hairy. Oh, you haven't seen me, so you don't know that. I can guess. I'm confident with my hair. Yeah. (laughs) It's all I've got. But I've got curls. I've got... Uh... Straight. And you know what they say? Curls get the girls. So... Straight uh, masturbate? I don't know. I don't know what the saying is. (laughs) No, no, no. That's what you wanted to say, and you said it very proudly. So while Bartek's been masturbating, we did we we watched a movie for the podcast this episode <laughs> for Pictures Power, a movie that came recommended. The recommendation process usually goes Bartek, myself, then listening people. Since last episode was listening people, that that dictates that this episode was Bartek's recommendation. And in case you can't read the title of this episode and you've just clicked onto this episode completely blindly, completely at random. And or you have no understanding of what the movie is, Bartek, could you tell us what movie you selected? I have selected the 1968 film Oliver. Did you shout it? Because it has an exclamation mark. I raised my voice. That's not how an exclamation mark works. You've got to shout it. Uh, Side question. How does a dot, dot, dot exclamation mark work? Ooh, well, well, that is more like... Where where you take a little breath in between. So, Oliver! Ah, see? I see. Yeah. So, so this film's more like, Oliver! Is there a dot, 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 or is it just an exclamation mark? There isn't. I was changing Don't... the topic. You liar. I so, didn't say um, there was one. Well, you implied it with your... Like, why did you even bother bringing all that up? Unless you were implying, hey, Ryan, this this has I that. I prefaced that it has nothing to do with anything. You're a liar. Play back the tape. He didn't say that, and I just edited it out. <laughs> like, it rewinds, <laughs> and it just has garble. <laughs> it has a ellipses. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, listening people, we are going to be talking about Oliver, the uh, classic... Two and a half hour epic musical about Oliver Twist, the Charles Dickens famous story. 
And uh, so you have been warned, we are going to be talking about it, spoilers and all, if you have not seen the movie or you are unfamiliar with the Oliver Twist tale, you've been warned. I feel silly having to say that, but I have experienced firsthand spoiling what is considered to be general knowledge stuff with Bartek. I remember one time I was telling Bartek how it was strange that they made a Murder on the Orient Express movie, considering everyone knows the murder twist of that. And then Bartek was just looking at me dead-eyed going, I didn't know. And then there was a contest about, then there was contested of, well, how many decades can one wait to spoil something that's very well known? Apparently, you can't. It's infinite. So, spoilers for Oliver. Spoilers for Oliver Twist. You've been warned. Bartek... What's your history and relationship with this movie? And why did you pick it? So back in year seven drama, we watched this film as part of the class. I can't remember the exact curriculum we were doing with it, Um, but we watched it over the course of two lessons. And I remember I was really enjoying it in the first lesson, but then in the second lesson, I couldn't attend the lesson, so I didn't get to see the end of the film. Um, but it was one that, because I was enjoying it so much for what I did watch, for the next couple of years after that, I would, like, occasionally look up stuff about it, listen to songs from it, and then eventually ended up buying it on DVD and watching it all the way through to kind of cap off this little adventure. And when you did cap it off, was it as good as you thought like did it did it did it meet all those expectations cuz you've kind of went the long way around like instead of just going uh, sir please sir could i have the dvd or video you decided oh, i'm going to look up stuff read stuff listen to the songs heck you probably you probably were this close to just reading the original book <laughs> like <laughs> well what i didn't even, like to I, didn't even it? T- I didn't even tell you uh, a little side journey that happened in this story Eventually, when I did go out to buy the DVD, I bought it, came home, watched it, and it was not the version from 1968. It was like a Roman Polanski, like, bleak version. So, wait, so is this the first time you've ever seen the movie completely now? No, this is the second time. Okay, so now you've actually seen it in completion. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, when I, I bought the actual one, then I watched it in completion, so... I've watched it once most of the way through and now twice fully. Okay. And when you did fully complete it the first time when you fully completed it, was mm-hmm. it as good as you were wanting it to be considering you've gone to, through this like arduous journey to watch Oliver? Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I have a history with Oliver too. Unlike you, though, I, I've seen this movie in its completion uh, a couple of times. It's one of those classic movies that would be on television um, on a Sunday afternoon, and you would just watch it because there was nothing else on. Very much like other movies of this ilk, your Mary Poppins, your Sound of Music, your Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, your Beds, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Uh, very much of that ilk where people of our age, you, you know, these were movies that were, you know, iconic, legendary, beloved, so they would air on TV or you would be, you know, made to watch them because your parents grew up with them. So there was a level of like, well, you're going to enjoy this. Um, 
I've never enjoyed any of those types of movies ever. When I say I have a blind spot for the 1960s era Hollywood movie, it's because of these movies in particular, of Oliver, of Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, so on and so forth. Those big, epic, nearly three-hour-long musicals for children, um, I've seen them. And it's made me not really want to watch any more things from the 1960s era. I've already kind of talked about this in our Pink Panther episode. So that decade's kind of a blind spot because of these big epic children's musicals. Um, And Oliver was one that I had seen. It never really left a huge impression on me like Sound of Music or Mary Poppins. Um, But it was one I have seen before. But it just never left a huge impression. And I think now having to had rewatched it for this show, I think why it didn't leave an impression on me as strongly as those is, is because it doesn't, to me, have as many, um, as many great songs. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your opinion on that statement, Bartek? Um, well, I definitely like most of the songs in this film, and throughout the years I just sometimes, you know, hum them to myself or think of lines or two from them. Um, I guess even though they were ones that I'd been aware of before ever having heard of Oliver, um, I remember back in primary school, uh, for a little bit I joined this, like, little choir group and we sang some songs from Oliver, um, so later down the line when I discovered the film and I watched it. I realized, oh, all those songs were from this one property. Um, yes, I, I enjoy the songs in this, but I can, I can, yeah, definitely see some of them not appealing to most people. I think it's just when, like I said, maybe I've made it a bit unfair. It it comes from that generation of that type of movie musical in which you had stuff like Mary Poppins and Sound of Music and, you know, and, and, and um, even My Fair Lady. And those kind of have, I guess, more big iconic songs and or musical numbers. Like, even if you mm-hmm. don't know the songs, you know a visual number from Mary Poppins in comparison to Oliver Twist has um, less in comparison, I think. Okay, yeah. I saw all three of those films as an adult, so I guess that's also a different experience for me. Uh, yeah, I would say so. But at the same time, with those, come on, you've grown up in the world. Those those movies have had huge ripples through pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver has as well. I would mainly say for the you know the iconic you know more more you know, you know begging for some more gruel and pudding and whatnot. Yeah, the line from Oliver. Uh, yeah, yeah, more. That's the line, right? <laughs> <laughs> him saying more um it's a good read of the line and of course you're a big fan of oliver because you love ice age right because in ice age 2 they sing food glorious food if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah when i when i mentioned that in the other episode i i wasn't planning on doing oliver but then later on i thought like oh you know i like oliver i think you threaded the needle i think you put that in your head because as listeners of the last episode heard, I played back the tape of you saying you were going to choose that French Afrikaans movie for this episode, and you instead have picked this movie, because I think because you did Ice Age last, and you did talk about food, glorious food, so I think subconsciously you've threaded the needle on yourself to do this as the episode. 
No, I think you're right. Did I really say that I was going to pick the Afrikaans film? Yep. I'll play the tape again. Play the tape again. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have, well, now I have to put my, well, not money, but put my thing foot in where your my mouth? thing is. My, my foot where my mouth is. But I'll, I'll pick it then, fine. Even if it's like something I changed my mind on, I'll pick it. Oh, okay, so we're, we're, okay, so um, Oliver's over, we're doing the French Afrikaans movie now, like the episode just <laughs> ends, like, okay, Bartek's picked the, that instead now. Um, so how was your viewing of the film this time round? I still really enjoyed it, I thought the first half was really great, but um, I think towards the second half, I think some of the focus uh, veers off into many different directions, I feel like it wasn't as strong in the second half. Um, the first half all, yeah, the first half all the way up until like, you know, meeting Fagin and going out and pickpocketing the guy and getting into the magistrates. I felt like that was all really nice and consistent and had a lot of flow to it. Um, but then, yeah, in the second half, we don't focus as much on our main character. You see him occasionally, but it's mostly, I guess, things happening around him. Mm-mm, I understand that complaint. I, 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 I totally get it. There is a definite difference of, uh, of at least flow of story storytelling between the two sections. I think, because you're a musical fan, the second half didn't have, to me, as many musical numbers one after the other after the other after the other after the other like the first half did it had lots of things breaking up the musical numbers mainly oliver reed because he doesn't get to sing in the movie uh, i know there's a reasoning as to why but he i think the second half feels less of an overt kind of song 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 dance 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 in comparison to the first half mm-hmm. and um that gives the first half a different kind of um, sense of pacing and flow because it set itself up as that kind of musical where there's very few moments of dialogue in between. Like, there is, but it's not as present as in the second half, at least for me. Yeah, um, I definitely... So I think it does itself a disservice by changing it up in the second half when the first half is setting it itself up as it, this is this type of musical. Yeah, and I was noticing that um, from, like, the beginning of the film up until he arrives in London and is about to meet Dodger, um, like, even when there weren't songs happening, there was a lot of, like, I guess, r- rhythmic uh, acting and, and storytelling going on. Like, um, when, after the food, glorious food number leading up to them eating and stuff... Uh, you know the the way that everyone was eating and waiting. There was it was kind of in time to the music. It felt like there was yeah, a yeah. yeah like a kind of dance going on in a way uh, on the way up to the musical number. And, very choreographed. Yeah, very choreographed. And I guess going back to subconscious stuff, since I watched this in Year Seven drama, and Year Seven was around the time I got into acting in theatre. Um, I can definitely see this film as being a sort of influence towards that. Um, so yeah, when the second half comes along, and I, I guess this kind of ties back to a joke we made way back in our uh, Black Annie episode. Um, but we you have Blanny, Blanny mm. episode where we have a villain in this film, and then one of the antagonists in that film is sort of out of the world of the musical. Mm, mm. And and in the second half, we we see that a lot used, which I thought was really interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I am actually on the opposite end to you. I preferred the second half of the movie because there was stakes in the Mm -hmm. story. The villain was actually present and there was a conflict. In the first half, it was lots of, Oliver wanders over here, then he leaves. And then Oliver wanders over there, and then he leaves. And then wanders over here and he meets some characters and then he leaves. And it's lots of, he kind of goes from place to place encountering characters that are going to be important to the plot. But the second half actually has the thrust of the conflict with with him being kidnapped and and, uh, Bill Sykes uh, taking charge and, you know, um, kind of showing the nasty side of the world and it's up to a band of heroes to find the good within themselves and all of that. So I found the second half worked a bit better for me because, one, it obviously it is a shorter section, but also, two, it... it um, to me, it was more engaging on because it had a stronger narrative thread to it. The first yeah. half was more extravaganza. Look at them dance. Look at them sing. Uh, but the second half had a stronger narrative heft to me. So I was more um, invested in that half. Yeah, I liked the um, the whole internal conflict between uh, Fagin and, and Bill and Nancy. There's a lot going yeah. on there. A lot of things that you're questioning, like, oh, but are you a good person? Are you this? Yeah, no, it's it's um it's completely true. Did you have a favorite musical number on this watching of the movie? And is that your favorite song and or dance number, or whatever, from the film? I think I've always favored the Fagin songs. And I think even this time, I, I also still favor the Fagin songs. Any in particular that stand out? I really like Gotta Pick a Pocket or Two, the his first one. Mm, yeah, yeah, where he's teaching him how to pick pockets, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, it's been an earworm since I was, since I first watched that first half of the film. I really liked, when it comes to his songs, his last song with Dodger. Mm, the, was... rep- the reprise or reprise of... Uh, reviewing the situation was it yeah 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 i want to say um i just really liked that ver- that that particular one and it, i also like the fact that it ends with both of them basically having the opportunity to be good and then deciding no <laughs> um which is true to their characters um Dodger has, like, no moral compass at all in the movie, really. Mm-hmm. He may yeah. look mournful, but he doesn't actually vocalize anything and do anything. And Fagin will harp on with his words, but will never actually take the action. Yeah, um, that's, that's the whole thing with reviewing the situation. Exactly. And that's why I appreciated at the end, they just continue being that they don't grow really and i appreciate Mm -hmm. that because this movie takes liberties it does have um twists on the original oliver twist story ha 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 but it obviously makes connections to things like oh oliver's mum was this lady who's related to this guy who just happened to find oliver and there's lots of you know um hollywoodizing we can say, of this story. Like, obviously, those two characters in the original source material, Dodger and Fagin, don't have happy endings. One Mm. of them dies, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
but I did like that they didn't go for the full one where, oh, they're rascals with a heart of gold who will be good at the end. No, they're just going to continue being scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am trying to think what was my favorite musical number because I've got to be honest, I don't like any of the songs. Um, I don't, none of them have stuck in my head. I'm not a huge fan of this era of musicals. Um, all of them have a similar sound to me. Um, like a lot of the songs could be in each other's musicals to me. So that's the, the unfortunate side of, of this discussion is this sixties era blockbuster musical, um, roadshow musical, a lot of their songs kind of can be interchangeable to my ear. Mm-hmm. I liked the dance number though of uh the the first song in the second half where he's at the house Who looking. Will buy? Yeah, if that's the one. And I like that whole sequence. It was really well done. Really yeah, well that... shot, really well choreographed, and really energetic. And I like that they weren't afraid to just have them dancing out in sunlight on like the cobble streets. It was very pretty to look at. Apparently it was a set, but yeah, it was outdoors. Um, yeah, that one and Consider Yourself, which is earlier in the film when he meets Dodger. Um, I really like mm. those two. They they kind of give you this really wide community sense of two different communities. Like the first one is the general streets of London and this one's the kind of wealthier, well-to-do kind of uh, community. Um, mm. And yeah, there was just a lot of really energetic and different things happening all throughout and they're both fairly long too. I also liked how the cute nature of Dodger's, Dodger and Nancy's musical number when they're in the, you know, when they're in the uh, Fagin's place and like they're all the kids are like gathering together and recreating like a train or whatever and that musical number. I really yeah, liked the anything. choreography of that and the, yeah, and the sentiment of it. It was really cute. Hmm. It gave Dodger something likable in the movie um, because, you know, the kid's cute and he's a funny kid or whatever, but really he's not actually that likable of a character at the end of the day. (laughs) But a musical number like that gave him something sweet um, that made him, like, not a complete worthless mess of a human being. So I enjoyed that musical number. But the songs, I'm not a huge fan of the songs. Um... Which is fine. Um, that's the that's the thing about musicals. Musicals are very um, musicals are very divisive for the viewer. It you know you either love this type of musical or you don't. And does that really make it a negative of the musical itself? I I don't think so. Just because I personally don't like Oliver, does that make this a bad movie? No, I think that this is a great movie for this type of musical. It's obviously one of the most iconic ones. It's a high-end one of this this style of musical. But this style of musical just doesn't do it for me. Like how Rent doesn't do it for me. I don't like Rent. But do I think Rent is a terrible musical? No, it's perfectly serviceable. And that musical is a great musical for the people who like that type. But I'm more like... I like more the stuff like Little Shop of Horrors and Rocky Horror Picture Show and Reefer Madness. I like mine a bit more um, horny and mature and kind of gross and funny and weird. 
and a bit more rock and roll, and this is very English. Yeah, I guess <laughs> to say the least. I guess it's also very, I guess to use uh, our dramatic terms, like very naturalistic, whereas the other ones tend to be a bit more non-naturalistic. A lot of really crazy magical realism stuff happening. This one, oh yeah, yeah in just... terms of the in terms of the plot, yeah, plots and yeah, 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 that's right. Um, My uh, big thing too with these type of musicals, Oliver in particular, is it's very theatery. It feels like it's a like obviously there is a film as like obviously it's been tailored for film, but there is a large part of it that feels like oh these are theater actors because they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was the guy who played him on stage, and that kind of staginess um, is a, is a drawback for me when it comes to these kind of uh, musicals. Like like I said. Little Shop of Horrors and Rocky Horror Picture Show really tailors itself to the movie format, including its performances. This, it's a lot of stage show acting. Like, in the first half of the movie, with with more and the funeral shop people, the undertakers and all of that, I wasn't having it. They were just so over the top to me, beyond belief. I found them very grating and irritating and very staged. And then Fagin came along, and it's just like, oh my god, it's it's too much. But he warmed up to... I warmed up to him throughout the movie. But it was very stagey to me. And I felt like, did this need to be a movie, is the question. And I think the answer is yes, but I just didn't appreciate it because of that as well. Is It's very theatery to me. And if I'm going to be watching a movie, I want to be watching something that translate that is tailored to be a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, I know that with Mr. Bumble, especially the guy at the beginning, the more guy, um, I mm. felt like the movie did do him some service because when Oliver was, you know, being intimidated by him as he's going up to him, you've got the, like, I guess, trumpet sound going on, like, and the, the camera angle's low, the room looks really grim, and you really get this sense of, like, oh, man, Oliver's walking up to the devil, and just, yeah, I, I felt like mm. the movie did some service to his performance. Yeah, but what about the funeral? What about The Undertakers? The Undertakers, I guess... I guess not as much, because even though I did say earlier that up until when he meets Dodger, it's very rhythmic, I feel like it actually, yeah, does kind of stop around them. There isn't as much, like, musical stuff going on with them, and then, yeah. That was the movie probably really the, did much. That, that was probably the weaker part of the first half, was the Undertaker section. It kind of felt pointless, like, it didn't really... It kind of felt like you could skip that whole section and you wouldn't miss much. If it was Orphanage and then him going to London... Great, but we spend like 15 minutes hanging out with these Undertaker characters who are all boring, and all they do is remind you that he has a mum that died, which I think I could gather that by the fact that he's a fucking orphan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Just, is that me? Is it just, are there Undertaker fans? Do people love it when the dad Undertaker guy drunkenly falls asleep inside the coffin that they had Oliver shot inside of? 
yeah, well, you know, when his character was established as this, like, kind of mean-looking guy, very cold, him suddenly becoming a drunk and then we never seeing him again totally is a nice little arc that happens over ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's completely set up and paid off, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, if I... anything, that sequence would have just led up to the musical sequence down in the basement. Yeah, which is also, like, a... Like, a very... I don't know. Like, you like the music more than I do. And this is very strange, because you are someone who doesn't really listen to... You don't have a big music taste. Like, I can ask you, who's your favourite artist? And you'll say, my mum likes Prince, so I guess I've listened to a lot of Prince. And I'll go, oh, well, do you like Prince? And you go, oh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I guess. I mean, my mum listens to him. Like, that's you when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. So it's very strange to me that you are like, oh, I love Oliver. <laughs> um, when I think of you as someone who doesn't really listen or really appreciate music in the most, like in a higher in a higher regard. So, so when you're like, oh, I love Oliver. So what I'm about to say when, oh, when Oliver's having his little crying song in the basement, I thought that was really dull and boring, and I wanted to skip it. I'm worried that you're going to be like Ryan. I love that song. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not one of the ones that I like hum to myself or anything, but I thought the sequence was pretty nice. Um, they put onions under his eyes to make him cry. I know that. <laughs> A lot of the trivia was basically saying that the actor playing Oliver had a few uh things that they shortcomings that they had to work around. That was interesting, especially since it was juxtaposed to a trivia point about how. 5,000 boys audition for the role. He did good in the movie in the final product, but it seems like the behind the scenes were a nightmare when it came to him. Yeah, it's like he couldn't play with the other kids because he got too red and we had to wait for him to calm down. We, he, he wasn't the best singer, so we had to dub him with a girl. With yeah, a full-grown was... woman who, once you know that, you really do hear it's a full-grown woman. Oh, I didn't... I thought it was a child. No, it's a... Because think about how voice acting works. Who plays little boys? Yeah, you're right. Full-grown women. Yeah. And why would they waste their time to try and find a young child singer when they could just get a full-grown woman who can sing and is their profession? I think the thing that got me was like it was it was related the woman was related to someone so I thought like oh they probably got someone who's the right age that related to them that can sing but yeah now that you mention yeah. it I'm hearing his voice and you're right yeah well what about this movie captured you so strongly when you saw it as you know in year seven because. This is a movie that's two and a half hours long. It's all song. It's taken place in the, you know, not so much Victorian era. I think it's, what, just a bit before Victorian era? I um, think that's what I read, at, yeah. You know, for, what I'm basically saying is, you know, to the layman child of that age, this movie would be a boring, dreary nightmare of a thing that the teacher made you watch in class. What about it hooked you? Maybe it's because I hadn't seen anything like it before at that point. I just had a really good time with it. I found the songs really catchy. And I, I guess I guess maybe I was waking up to the whole idea of performance. And this film is kind of, like you said, 
it is kind of theatrical in a way in terms of theater um and i was mm. kind of starting to see that in a way so yeah it's probably a mix of those kind of things yeah and so is that still the big prevailing thing that you love about this musical and this uh, movie or what else is there to it i mean i guess i guess it is that it has this sort of simplicity to it like again i guess in a way it is kind of like theater they they do have to just go straight to the points and maybe maybe it's because i'm watching it in the mm. modern day and a lot of things are a lot trying to be a bit more complex or dark like like the <laughs> other oliver twist film i have on dvd um yeah just this is a film that i really enjoy watching it gives me good vibes has a lot of energy i find the songs catchy and nice um, and I don't think other things have caught me in the same way. Like, again, I, the other three films that you mentioned, the My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, and Sound of Music, I watched them all probably within the last ten years. Wasn't as into Mary Poppins, but the other two I found very similar things. Like, the songs were catchy, they were simple and fun. Yeah, yeah. I, um... I, I understand where you're coming from with all that. There is a simplicity here. There's a nice energy. I mean, in all fairness to the... I haven't seen the Roman Polanski one, but if it's a dreary film, it's because fucking Oliver Twist is a dreary story, Bartek. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if anything, this movie is, well, the kids' interpretation of a happy-go-lucky Oliver Twist. Um, It's... It's nice. It's it does have. Um, it eventually gets into like it's one of those films where it has a slow pace, but it's one of those ones where for me where you eventually get in rhythm with its rhythm. Uh, mm -hmm. You eventually come to terms with where where how it's going to play things out, and I found that to be an interesting wrinkle because at first it was a slog. It was a real slog for me. I wasn't really liking it. It was reminding me of like, um, you know, when there are things that are acclaimed or big or whatever that you didn't like as a child, and you're like, oh well, maybe I was, maybe child me was wrong about this. And you watch mm -hmm. it as an adult, and you're just sitting there going, oh, child version of me was completely right about this. I was a smart child. Um. I was having that for a good portion of the first half. I just kind of found it slow and plodding, and I wasn't really caring about Oliver at all. I didn't really care for his plight. Um, and then yeah, yeah, we get introduced to a, a Dodger who seems like he's going to be really important to the story, but then he kind of isn't really. Like, he's, he's there, he has his big moments, but you think he's going to be bigger than what he is in the mm -hmm. overall story. Yeah. And then you forget, or I forget, how long it takes for them to introduce Bill Sykes into the movie. The big bad yeah. antagonist. It takes them a while to get to him. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Oliver's already gone, but... Oh, no, no, he's in bed at that point. But, yeah, it takes a while for them to meet. Yeah, you've had, like, ten songs by then. And... When you do get to see him, it's a great introduction with the dog and him kind of coming in and there's the mislead at first where you think that you see him somewhere else, but it's not actually him. And then you look over, there he is. And it was a great build-up to him and a payoff. But again, he doesn't really show as much strong menace until the second half of the mm -hmm. film. He just looks menacing. And you know he's menacing by the way that it's shot. 
but he doesn't show it until really the second half of the film, which is, again, why I'm more interested. It's more showing us these things that I guess the first half is building towards. It's the payoff. And uh, I enjoy that. Who would you have wanted to play in this musical? Like, when you were watching it as a, as a teen, who mm-hmm. did you want to be in it? And who do you want to be now in it? Um, well, I guess since I liked Fagin so much and he had all these, like, you know, really weird mannerisms, like the way he danced and, like, kicked his legs up really high and, you know, leaned in close to people, he shouted randomly. I always really enjoyed that. And again, his songs I found really catchy. I guess that's another big thing. It's a film that helped get me into acting, but I can't sing and have never been, you know, a musical actor in a way. Mm. Um... Yeah, I, I guess I guess Fagin was always one that I really really enjoyed, hmm? and thought that I could you know would want to try out. I would have been when to play Dodger. He would have been fun to play. Mm-hmm. He he has that kind of charm. As an adult, of course, I want to be Oliver Reed, um, not Bill Sykes. Oliver Reed, <laughs> just <laughs> just a drunken misogynist who who died practically alone with only two people attending his funeral. I want to be Oliver Reed. Uh, (laughs) You want to be in musical films where you don't sing much and you want the musical to be named after the male main character. He got to sing in Tommy. Yeah, that's why I said not sing much. He got to sing a lot in Tommy. Yeah, I I was bluffing. I couldn't remember. (laughs) He had a good amount of musical numbers in uh, Tommy. Um, Or at least he joined in in a lot. He had your favorite yeah, musical I remember, number, the I remember one where he showed in. off his sexy legs. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? He had your favorite musical sequence in which he was introducing you to his holiday camp in which he was showing off his sexy legs. That is sequence. true. That is true. That was my favorite, I think. <laughs> um, Oliver Reed, we've got to talk about Bill Sykes because outside of the famous, please, I could I some more, more, one of the big iconic things of this film is Oliver Reed as Bill Sykes. Would you agree? Yeah, that's true. What do you think about him? Yeah, his introduction where he doesn't speak for a very long time. Uh, he, you know, he's giving Fagin like the constant things, and Fagin's just like constantly, you know, reacting to that. And even before that, when they were doing the pick a pocket or two thing, they mentioned him about how he's the ideal mm. that everyone is striving towards in terms of pickpockets. Um, and the film highlights him being like this different character again with the fact that he doesn't sing in musical numbers Mm. and in the one time where a musical number was happening around him, he was not in the performance mode because this film, even with other characters, when a song isn't happening, they are kind of living their life normally. Like at the end Mm. of the the first really big musical number, the Consider Yourself one, um, that's the whole thing of like, oh, everyone in London is currently in the middle of a song and they're dancing, and you have this final shot of everyone dancing and and then the song ends and everyone just goes back to normal. Um, mm. So there is this kind of logic of, you know, when, when a song's happening, people get into the song and start dancing, but Bill Sykes does not. He's constantly on his little mission of, you know, talking to Fagin or planning f- to rob someone. he He's not mm. into this and he's different and he doesn't smile. He's menacing 
and it makes for a very interesting villain. I mean, he smiles sometimes, but it's only when he's being an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when she asks, Do you love me, right? And he's in bed and he like lifts up and he's like, of course I love you. I live with you, don't I? <laughs> he talks about loving her, yeah. I like Oliver Reed in this movie quite a lot. And I felt bad when he died because he was the character I was invested in the most. <laughs> <laughs> I think what makes him stand out, and I think this is um, a weird choice, but it does work for him, is what I said before. Everyone else is playing this like they're in a stage show. He's the only one that feels like he... Because he is. He's the only one that feels like he's in a movie. He's playing this like a movie character. Like, he's a movie actor, Oliver Reed. He clearly knows how to operate on the screen, And I think that makes him stand out more. There's just something about his presence on the camera, on the film, on the screen that we see. And I think it's because he knows how to act for the medium. Not disregarding everyone else's performances, but they're very much playing a pantomime-type performance. He is playing it with the subtleties that that is required in a film. He's not playing it over the top. Even though his character is a big, menacing guy, he plays it quietly. You know, he, he, he has subtleties. He has little micro-expressions on his face. And and uh, it's what he doesn't say. And it's what he doesn't do that is very intimidating about him. And I think that that's what really makes him stand out in the movie, is he's playing it like it's a movie. Yeah, and even even at the end of the Who Will Buy number, the, the second really big one in the richer community... It ends mm. with like this shot of him standing completely still under a tree, just staring with that that stare of his. Uh, he has a he has a he has a demeanor about him. The hat, the the mutton chop, sideburns, the 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 cane that he has, the stick, and his mm. dog, of course. Uh, he he just has a presence uh, about him that lures you in because everyone else is playing it so. We're in a musical, yay! And he's playing it like, I'm. I just want to get fucking money, okay? I just want to <laughs> be the big criminal man. Like he, he, it's like he's from a different film. He, it's like he's from the Roman Polanski version of this film. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like he's from this sim grim serious version of this film. He murders a woman. He does. He murders the lovely, lovely woman that the kids love and he's supposed to love and we all love Nancy. And he just fucking beats her to death and has, like, barely any regrets about it. Yeah. He he had blood on his hands and when Fagin commented on it, I think he even said, like, she got what was coming to her or something like that. Mm-hmm. He had it all over really? his coat. Yeah, very brutal. That's the standout of the movie, right? Is this is a happy-go-lucky kids film. Yeah, it's about sad orphan or whatever, but it's that veneer of, oh, the musical dance numbers where the police bobbies dance on a step in tune and all that, but also out of no, like seemingly out of nowhere, Bill Sykes just murders his girlfriend on screen. Mm. <laughs> like, it's one of those movies where... You know, we, we know this. We grew up in the 90s. Those kids' movies with surprisingly adult elements thrown in at you, and they stick yeah. with you. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's what this movie has as a strength, is Bill Sykes murdering Nancy is just such a kick in the gut. Um, yeah. And it makes you really want to see him him go down. Um, and he does. And then the movie ends. Yeah, it really ended. Really ended. <laughs> like, I'm not satisfied with the ending of the movie because it is one of those ones where, and we took down the bad guy, and then it ends. Like, as if the movie was about taking down Bill Sykes, not anything else. You know, like... We're not going to really ruminate on the fact that Nancy died, really. We're going to do it when Bill's, Bill's around. But after that, you know, hey, it's over. The movie's done. Yeah, I guess... I guess the fact that it ends so soon after Bill dies kind of takes away from the idea that the journey that Oliver was on was that he wanted to... He said make his fortune, but it was kind of more like find a family, find his place in the world. And he does that at the end of the first act, and, you know, he's in the house with his great uncle, he doesn't know at the time. Um, Does he ever? And that's... Does he ever? Well, that's the thing, yeah, the film ends too quickly, and it's like, by the way, Oliver, did you know that I'm related to you? Oh! Um... Yeah, so we could argue that the film was meant to be about that, and then the conflict of the second half is that Oliver is taken away from that, and certain characters have their own stakes in him being taken away, but they also like him and want him to be happy in a way. Um, Except for Bill. Except for Bill, yeah. Who's never met him before until then. Yeah, so I, I guess, the, as you said, the point of the film would have been putting Oliver in the place where he's meant to be. Um, but yeah, the fact that it he gets put back in that place so soon after Bill's death makes it seem like, oh, well, the film had to end after his death, and it is it is odd. It's a, it is a, a weak ending. I mean, Bill dying was great, but uh, yeah, if there was a bit more, like a musical number or two after, but it kind of just feels like... We, you know, we, they do have some more musical numbers, but it just kind of feels like it, it ends really quickly. Like, well, you know, like, it just feels like... Because Nancy was such a big character in the movie as well, she gets brutally murdered trying to save Oliver, and they do ruminate on it with the adult characters. Like, Fagin reacts, and Bill reacts, and, and you know, but it doesn't really feel like, you know... I don't know... I guess what well, key thing Oliver doesn't react. Well, yeah, Oliver kinda is too busy with the fact that he's being dragged by the neck for most of it. Yeah, but I understand. But it does feel like for such a big, brutal move of killing her, it kind of feels like they don't want to have the the real guts to follow up on that. They think following up on that is, oh well, we got to kill Bill. And yes, but you know. It just wasn't a satisfying uh, wrap-up to me, but that may be because I I didn't really love the film overall. I'm not like I'm not huge, and this is probably no offense, but it's probably one of my least favorite films you recommended, just because. Oh, fair enough. I think it's I think it's um I like musicals, but if they're over two hours long in a film format, you're really pushing it, buddy. For me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just like if you're over, th- like this is two and a half hours long, <laughs> uh, and like I said, that this '60s era really doesn't do it for me. I think out of all of them, My Fair Lady is the one I like the most because it has an interesting story. And yeah, I really enjoyed My Fair Lady. And Rex Harrison's just so charming. 
uh, but also uh, a, uh, an absolute cad. Uh, but uh, yeah, what else do you want to say about Oliver? Well, Ryan, you said that you wanted more, and ooh, you know this film's attitude towards more. More, more. <laughs> the the governors will get upset at you. The fat governors. Did you fat governors? Did you get that visual language that the film was telling you? The starving children and the adults aren't are all fat. Yeah, it's it's funny because they were given the food that's not that great. And there was food that was great really nearby and they got to see it mm. and people enjoying it and they didn't get to enjoy it. And they were actually singing about like wanting to enjoy that kind of thing. Well, they're also saying that they would just want any food. <laughs> yeah. But there was food right in front of them there that was like, oh, that food could be any food. Yeah. Um, I have nothing much else to say about Oliver. It's a classic yeah. story told in a classic way. That's true, um, yes. So, obviously, you recommend this film? I do. I think that there's a lot of fun to be had with it. But I guess, and you said this earlier, there there is a subjective element to whether you will enjoy this or not. But I do mm. think that there is a lot of objective stuff going on in this film in terms of you know visual language um, and especially in its audio. I think it even won an Oscar for sound. Outside of deserved. Best Picture, I'm pretty sure. Sorry? It's also a Best Picture winner, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yeah. I think it won about half of the things it was nominated for. Mm, mm. Um, I would recommend this to uh, musical lovers. If you have somehow not seen this and you're into big, lavish, long period piece musicals like this and Mary Poppins or Newsies and so on, definitely give this a look. And if you're you know, a fan of the story and you haven't seen this version of it, then what are you doing? Uh, but like we've said, like Bartik just said, it's a kind of subjective thing. This is one of those, it's an iconic film and an iconic story, but sometimes those kind of things don't always land for everyone. There are people who don't like Casablanca, say. And this is just one of those where I don't like Oliver, really. I don't hate it, though. I just didn't... Re I felt like I didn't get anything out of the film. I got to see Oliver Reed, which was nice, but if you want to see Oliver Reed be absolutely fucking hectic in a musical, watch Tommy. He's fucking great in that movie. He's a monster. He he gets to sing. He's very over the top. He's wonderful in that movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I was and I was just rooting for him throughout this one. Um, so it's my recommendation for next episode. Are you keen to hear what I have picked? Yes. It's a thing we've both seen before, but I think we should talk about it on the pod. I mm -hmm. am recommending recommending a, a certain type of film we haven't talked about on the pod either. We're going to be talking next episode about the documentary Tickled. Nice. Yes, yes. So for the listening people out there, Tickled, a documentary about um well, I don't want don't look up too much about it, but the film is about tickling. And it's, yes, it's more than about tickling. Yes, that's true. I was always wondering, like, when are we ever going to do a documentary and how will that go? Mm. I guess now we'll find out. We'll find out next episode. So, listening people, thank you very much. 
for tuning in and uh, hearing our thoughts on, on the films that we've been discussing. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter. We are always posting other things on there, uh, links, photos, uh, you know, uh, comments for you to engage with us on, discussions further. We also have an email in which you can email us your questions, queries, concerns, and recommendations for movies to cover on the show. That is spitandpolished at gmail.com, spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can find all of that in the episode description. Uh, make sure to rate, review us, and share us around on all those podcast catcher sites and forums and whatever, whichever ones allow you to rate and review us. And yeah, just share us around with your friend. You are, are you a poor orphan and you're listening to this? Good. Like if you're an orphan, love if you're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that's about it, Bartek. Um, wonderful time as always talking over a film with you, even if we are mm-hmm. in our government mandated separate locations. Yes, that's true. I'm saying yeah, that yeah. I'm saying that not against my will. I don't have a gun to my head. I'm saying that completely sincerely. I'm very, very glad that we are in our government sanctioned rooms. <laughs> well, my room's actually sanctioned by Mama, but yeah, that's true. I'm meant to be in the house Why by government. You? Yeah. <laughs> I know that you say, I know you could say mama, but why did you have to say it like how a little baby would say it? <laughs> well, I thought it would, like, I thought it would highlight more the idea of, like, oh, he lives with his mum. That's funny. And dude, he says dude, we mama. know like, you live with your mum. She appeared in one episode in the background. <laughs> don't ever, well, that's right. Yeah, don't very ever, quietly. Don't ever forget. And, Rumble in the Bronx. And she comments on our posts with random things <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> And likes all of likes all of yours. Uh, uh, yep, wonderful. Uh, until next time, listening people. Remember, if you want some more, you'll get yelled at. So, uh, you know, just communism. What I'm saying is, Oliver was pro-communism. Okay, you get what you get. Okay, you don't complain, or else you'll be given to the undertakers and be put in the most boring section of the film. Okay, and do you want that? No, you don't.